right, good morning, Pathway. It is so good to see you. Man, we're so glad that you're here. And I just want to say welcome. If you're a first-time guest, my name is Brian, and I'm the pastor. And we're a little over a year old. As a church, we are all about leading people on the path of purpose. So, man, we're so glad that you're here and, and uh, on the, the Thanksgiving Eve weekend. And so appreciate you coming out, even on a cold, dreary, icy day. And so, anyway, man, it's going to be an exciting day. And uh, just so glad that you're here. You know, what is so uh, interesting to me, I've been married 12 years, and uh, I know a lot of you have been married shorter than that. A lot of you have been married longer than that. And one of the things that I've learned, I've learned a lot, and my wife tells me that a lot, but I've learned a lot in 12 years. And one of them is that my wife has a totally different perspective on things than I do. And, uh, you know, it took me... Uh, 12 years to figure that out. But, but now that I have, they, she has like a sixth sense about things. And so I've learned now, instead of in certain situations of just going up and making a decision, well, this is what we're going to do or what I'm going to do, I've learned through trial and error to go to her and ask her her perspective and, and just get that woman's perspective, which is totally different from men. Men, typically, not all men, but most men, see things in black and white. We see things kind of clear cut. Women see things in living color. They see things in 4D, UHK, FD, whatever like, you know, that's, that's out there now, crystal clear. And so I've learned to get that perspective and, and it has really uh, changed my life. And, and she, you know, I'll ask her about a situation. Hey, what do you, what do you think I should do about this? Or what do you think about that? And she'll have a totally different thought than I ever even had going into it. And I've learned to really embrace and, and appreciate that totally different perspective on certain situations. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a few days ago, our daughter had an ear infection, so I took her to the to the doctor. And um, as we were there, and she's two, and and she associates the doctor with getting shots. And as you know, little kids get shots all the time. And so as I was there with her, she could hear. We were in the house, in the um, doctor's office, and she could hear the doctor coming down the hall. And and immediately she could hear the doctor coming through the door. She tensed up and curled up in a ball and just got really really tense. And she was saying, "Shots, shots." And I said, no, 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 we're not here for shots. We're here to get your ear fixed and so on. And so when the doctor get in there, she's really, really tense. And so I just kind of kind of help coach her down and say, hey, no, we're not here for that. No shots. Things are going to be okay. And uh, the kind of the, as time went on, they then they pulled out, you know, the little thing to listen to the heart, stethoscope, whatever that's called. And so as they put that on her heart, she got scared at first. And then we said, no, 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 it's not a shot. You're going to be okay. And then they brought out the, the tongue depressor, looked in her throat, and, and she again, shot, shot. No, 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 it's going to be okay. And then they brought out the little ear thing. They looked in the ear. And, and again, she was gotten really nervous that they were going to give her shots. And the thing is that I had a different perspective than my two-year-old daughter. And I kept trying to tell her, you're safe. It's okay. We're not here for shots today. Things are going to be all right. Don't worry about it. But she had the perspective of, I really, I don't know why I'm here because last time I was here, they poked me and it hurt. And so I have a different perspective. And I was trying to get her to see from that perspective of, hey, it's going to be okay. No shots today. It's going to be all right. I think a lot of times in life, we do that. A lot of times that we face situations in life that we think this is going to 
hurt. This is going to be painful. This is a bad situation. This is a bad thing that's coming my way. And I believe that if we can learn to get God's perspective of our life, it will radically change how you see things and how you respond and react in situations. In fact, I know that to be true. And so many times we can only see things in one dimension as to where God sees the bigger picture of our lives that we can't really always see all the time. And I think the challenge for us is to quit looking immediately in this one dimension that we can only see and start getting God's perspective of our life, getting God's viewpoint of this situation. In fact, there's an amazing situation in the Bible that talks about this exact thing that is an incredible, incredible thing that really happened to real people. It's found in the Old Testament in a book called Second Kings. So if uh, you want to turn in your Bible, we're going to have that on the screen. This is a great time to download the Pathway app. It's totally free. You can just download that real quick in the app store. Just search for your Pathway Church. You'll see our logo. Tap on that and then click on Sunday Notes and you can just follow right along everything we have on the screen you will have with you along with some reflection questions in your small groups that, hey, if you're not in a small group, get involved in one and just they help you kind of grow a little bit deeper and take those next steps. But Second Kings, just really, really quick. Uh, the Bible has New and Old Testament. New Testament's about Jesus, and Old Testament's about God and Israel. And, and, uh, and in the Old Testament, there's, there's different books. And the book of here, Second Kings, it's, you might think of it as volume two. It's not like there's two kings. Um, there's, it's a second volume. And we would look at it as kind of a history, maybe, of the presidents of the United States and how the nation responded to those presidents' administrations. Well, that's what First and Second Kings sort of is, in a way. It is really kind of saying, this is the history of of the kings who were the kings over the nation of Israel during this time. And so uh, that's kind of what we jump in there. We're going to be introduced to a guy named Elisha. Elisha is the most, one of the most famous guys in the whole Bible, especially in the Old Testament. He was a prophet. That doesn't mean he made money for a living. He was a prophet, which a prophet in those days was sort of like a pastor today, but like on steroids, because a prophet would speak to an entire nation on behalf of God. God would tell the prophet, hey, go tell the nation this. And so he would tell the king and the nation, this is what God says. And then vice versa. Sometime the nation and the king would come to the prophet and say, we need to know what God says, what we need to do about this or that. And so go and ask God. And so he would ask God. And so the prophet was a big deal. Elisha is like, he would be on Mount Rushmore if there was such a thing for prophets. He's a big, big deal. And we're going to check out one of the reasons why. Second Kings chapter six, verse 14. So one night, the king of Aram sent an army great with many great chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God, or Elisha's servant, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what do we need to do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh God, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the entire hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh God, please make them blind. So God struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, Oh, now God, open their eyes and let them see. So God opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should we kill them? Should we kill them? Of course not, Elisha said. Do we kill prisoners of war? 
Give them food and drink and send them home to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. And after that, the army stayed away from raiding their land. And by the way, this, the Aram was modern day Syria. And so we, this is an incredible, incredible story that really, really happened. So just to summarize quickly, what's going on is you have Elisha, this prophet, this man of God, and then you have this, the nation of Syria coming in to arrest Elisha because they thought he was a spy because God was telling Elisha things that the king of Syria was talking about in his bedchamber at night, like even his bedroom. I mean, this is like in say wiretapping stuff, but supernaturally with God. Incredible stuff. So the king of Syria says, well, just go arrest him and we'll kill him. So they go, he sends an army of, of probably a couple thousand guys to horses and chariots to arrest Elisha. The next morning, the servant gets up, he looks out and all he can see Everywhere he looks, on a 360-degree angle, he's surrounded by the enemy. And they have one job today, and that is to arrest you and take you home to kill you. That's their job, surrounded by the enemy. And then Elisha prays, God, let him see what I can see. Open his eyes. And immediately, God opens his eyes, and he sees that not only is the enemy surrounding them, but they're surrounded by the army of heaven itself. Chariots of fire, angels. Like, could you imagine, like, being able to see things that we can't see with our natural eyes in a supernatural sense? And not to get weird, but this stuff really happens. And, and you can see the armies of heaven surrounding them. It's an incredible, incredible thing. So here's, I think, what really stands out to me, that my perspective determines my response. My perspective determines my response. Here's my question for you is, what is your perspective? There's two perspectives going on right here in 2 Kings. The first one is the perspective of the servant. We don't know the guy's name. But his perspective is, I wake up, I'm surrounded by the enemy, and I begin to panic. What should I do now? Listen, when you get that report from the doctor, or you get that report about your job, you get that report about your family member, whatever the case is, do you begin to panic? Do you begin to say, what should I do now? Oh my goodness, I'm scared to death. What are we going to do? We got to get a backup savings account, and now we're going to have to do this, and I got to get a second medical opinion, and man, what about my kids, and so on and so on. Do you begin to panic like this servant? And let me tell you, by the way, that's a very natural response. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I wake up tomorrow morning and the 5th Calvary is surrounding my home. I'm going to panic. Like, I'd love to think I'm hyper-spiritual. I'm not. I'm going to begin to panic. When I'm surrounded by SEAL Team 6, I surrender all, Jesus. Like, I give up. Okay, just take me. Like, like think about that. But, you, you know, we, we laugh, but that's what we do whenever we're surrounded and we feel like we're boxed in by situations in our life. We begin to panic. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting a pink slip on Monday. Oh, my goodness, the holidays are right around the corner, and now i got to pay to get the car fixed. And now i got to, and what if they foreclose on the house? And what if this? And, and what if it really is cancer? And what if this? And what if we do get a divorce? And what if my kids never talk to me again? And, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to see them on Thanksgiving. And I haven't talked to them all year long, and it's going to be awkward because the last time we talked, it wasn't good. And I'm just dreading Thanksgiving. And you begin to panic. Is that your response when you're surrounded? Or is it the response of Elisha to say, God, let them see what I can see. 
God, I see you. The thing about Elisha that is remarkable to me is that, and kind of like we said just a few minutes ago, it's not even that Elisha even acknowledges the enemy. You almost get the sense that Elisha doesn't even see the enemy surrounding him because all he can see is the army of heaven surrounding him. Like that's the perspective that we need to have is that, listen, you may think enemy or problem or crisis that you've got me boxed in and surrounded. No, you don't because my God has got you surrounded. My God. God surrounds me everywhere I go, everything that I do, God surrounds me. Just like we sang, you may think I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Man, I love that. I love his perspective. The, the, the servant, all he could see is the enemy, and he reacts with panic. Listen, when you don't have the right perspective of the situation, all you see is the crisis. All you see is the enemy. All you see is the problem. And so what do you do? You react in panic. Listen, what you've just done is surrendered to your emotions. And really more than that, the greatest emotion of all, your emotion of fear. And so when you surrender the situation, not to God, but to the emotion of fear, then you begin to make critical mistakes that you'll pay for for years and years. In fact, some of you are, are paying for those even now, mistakes that maybe you made years ago because you, that fear kicked in that emotion and you surrendered to that. Because you couldn't see God. All you could see was the problem. Brian, there's no way out. You don't understand. I mean, I'm praying about it and, and nothing's happening and I'm concerned. All you see is the problem. All you see is the crisis and you react. There's a difference in reacting in situations and responding. I want to be a person that responds and not reacts. You react with your emotions. Typically, it's, it's with fear, and typically, we, we overreact. But if you can learn to respond, take a step back, breathe, and pray about it, you'll begin to get God's perspective, which will radically change your perspective completely of the situation. I love that Elisha responds because he sees God in this situation. The servant only sees the problem, but Elisha only sees God. That's what I want to be. Listen, I want to surround myself with some people like Elisha's in my life. That when I begin to panic, when I begin to have that fear kick in, that they can pull me aside and say, hey, let's get a grip. Let's think about this for a minute. What you may see as a crisis and what you may see as a problem, I see God working out something special in your life. Well, you begin to panic, but wait a minute. I see God doing something supernatural, something really unique in this life. I need that in my life. I need Elisha's to come. When I begin to panic, what am I going to do? What about this? What about that? They pull me aside and just say, hey, wait a minute. God's at work. I can see God working in your life even when you can't. By the way, I want to be an Elisha to people. I want to be an Elisha that when, when people are beginning to panic around me and, and people have certain crises that are going on, that God would use me to pull them aside and say, hey, I know that it may look just like we sang, that you're surrounded, but understand God's surrounding you. Instead of only seeing the enemy and the problem. Learn to see God in this situation. Learn to see what God is up to in your life. Have that God perspective where you can see the armies of God and not just the problem surrounding you. We want to be that at Pathway. We want to be the place that when you come in, maybe you're beat it up, maybe you're, you've been beaten up all week long, that when you get here and you're exhausted because all week long, all you can see is the problem and the crisis and the enemy coming after you, that when you walk in this place, we can help give you an Elisha perspective. We can help give you the God perspective that, hey, it may seem like you've been surrounded this week, but all week long, God has been surrounding you. What may seem like an enemy thing, God is up to something with a great opportunity in your situation. 
That's the place that we want to be, a place that gives hope, that can help people see that. Listen, do you only see the problem or do you see the opportunity? That's a question that I ask myself all the time. When a problem comes, I ask myself, is this a real problem or is there an opportunity somewhere here that I'm not really seeing just yet? What I love is that in life, and I figured this out, just like I said with my wife and and even with my daughter, that sometimes we have this one-dimensional perspective, but if we can get someone else's perspective, it opens up a whole other window. Notice that that the servant, because he only saw the problem, he was limited in what should we do. Elisha's response is, no, 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 it's not what we should do. It's what God is already doing right now. We don't even have to ask God to come and help us. We don't even have to pray for God to rescue us. He's already here here. God's already right in the middle of the situation. So listen, it's not that we need to ask God to come in my problem. It's not that I need to ask God of what I should do. It's that I should just say, God, open my eyes to see the perspective and the opportunity that you've given me in this situation. Listen, when you have only your perspective, you will always be limited in the opportunity. Maybe you need to write that down. When you have only your perspective of this situation, you will always be limited to the opportunity. But if you could elevate your perspective and get God's perspective of the situation, because God is God, he is unlimited. Now all of a sudden, what went from being I'm surrounded by the enemy to now I've got God's perspective and I have unlimited opportunities. I have unlimited potential. This isn't a situation that's going to do me in. It's a situation that I'm going to change for God because I've tapped into him. And now it's not my perspective, but because it's God, I have unlimited opportunities because I've connected to an unlimited God in my life. Listen, this is so amazing to me. God is doing far more than you will ever see or know in this life for you. Not just for your family or for your pathway, but for you. What's amazing to me was that the army of heaven was already there. The army of heaven didn't have to, they didn't have to, you know, send up a DEFCOM 5 or whatever. They were already there. You know, I think so many times when we get to heaven, if you're a follower of Jesus and you give your life to him and you see him in eternity, I think you're going to be shocked. I know, I believe I will, that when we get there, we're going to see and say, wow, God, you mean you were working on my behalf every single moment from the time I was conceived to the time that I died, every single moment, God, you were working for my benefit. God, you were protecting me from disasters that I didn't even know about when I was alive on earth. God, you were keeping me safe from stuff that I'll never even know until now. God, you were blessing me in ways that I took for granted. God, that that was you really behind the scenes the whole time that I couldn't see until now. Listen, you need to be encouraged today. Just because you can't see God working in your life doesn't mean he's not there. Doesn't mean he's not actively working on your behalf. Just because the servant couldn't see God working doesn't mean God wasn't there. God was there the whole time. It was a matter of the perspective that he had that changed the situation. Listen, what's your perspective? When you can have God's perspective, you begin to see, no, 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 God's here the whole time. Yeah, I'm surrounded. Yeah, it's a crisis. I'm not diminishing that. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, there's an issue here, but God is still working on my back. Even though I can't actually see it, I know he's there. I know he's working. Again, without getting all, you know, 
mystical and weird. I know, I believe with all of my heart that God is in this place today, that we are surrounded by the armies of heaven. Even now, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not here. I feel God's presence. I know he's here. I believe that we're surrounded. As we begin to sing and worship, angels in heaven begin to sing. And I believe they're here today. And we begin to sing together and we begin to worship together. And the armies of heaven are working on your behalf and on my behalf. God's protecting you from stuff that you'll never know about until you spend time with him in heaven. I know that God's working on our behalf. Listen, don't make decisions based on your emotions. The servant almost made a critical mistake. What should we do now? In other words, what do I need to do? I'm not even going to pray about it. I'm not even going to ask God. What do I need to do to fix the problem? And so you're responding out of fear. You're reacting out of fear. Every time you make a decision based out of emotion, most of it, it's wrong. Like nine times out of 10, it's going to be the master mess in your life. That's happened for me. Every time I make a decision out of fear or respond out of an emotion, it's a mess that I have to clean up years and years later. Instead, learn to respond, not react out of fear and make a decision on that emotion. Instead, learn to respond in prayer. In fact, that's the next principle that I see that's so powerful is that learn that when I begin to pray, that shapes my perspective. Prayer shapes the perspective that I have of this situation. I love in verse 16 that Elisha, when the servant says, what should we do now? There's three things Elisha says that he does that are are incredible to me in verse 17. He says, number one, don't panic. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Number two, you need to know this, that it may look like we're surrounded, but those who are for us are far greater than those who are against us. And we're surrounded by the armies of heaven. And number three, God opened his eyes to let him see it. I love that he does that. I love his response. He didn't even, again, go back and pray, God, what should I do? He just automatically, I mean, wouldn't you love to be at a place when your relationship with God, I know I'm not quite there yet, but where this is just my instinct. I mean, it's almost the sense that this is Elisha's instinct. His instinct, when the crisis is, I'm surrounded by the enemy and they've come here to kill me, instead of panicking, my instinct is, God, you've got this. You're surrounding me. I know the armies of heaven here, even though I can't always see them. I know they're here and I know you're working this out for my good. I'm not going to panic. Wouldn't you love to live life that way? I mean, could you imagine how different your daily life would be when crisis comes up this week because you forgot the, the rolls in the oven and they're burning and it's crisis because you're responsible for the rolls. And so now whatever the crisis is, instead of panicking, it's, no, God, I know you got this. I'm not going to panic. You're surrounding me. I love, in verse 17, this is remarkable to me. He prays two things. He says, God, in verse 17, open the servant's eyes and close the eyes of the enemy. I love that he said that. Listen, prayer has the potential and the power to open your eyes to see what God is doing and at the same time, close the eyes of the problem, of the crisis, of the enemy of your life. I really believe that's what prayer does. It opens my eyes to God's perspective. Prayer shapes my perspective. It helps me see what God's doing in my life. But at the same time, the enemy, the devil, we believe that Satan's real. And again, not to get all crazy and weird, but but we believe if, if heaven is real, hell is real too. And and we believe if God is good, then Satan wants our destruction. And so all he cares about is to destroy your life. And so I believe he does every every day. How can I destroy their life? Jesus said that actually in the New Testament, in a a book called John, that, that Satan's job is to steal from you, to kill you, and to utterly destroy you. 
So he wakes up every day like a lion wanting to devour you. Wouldn't it be awesome if in prayer, the more you pray and get God's perspective, your eyes are open, and the more it closes the eyes of the enemy of your life, the problem of your life, the situation of your life? Wouldn't you love to live life that way? Listen, you can. It's a matter of prayer. Prayer shapes your perspective. And notice that this servant did not get God's perspective until he prayed. It wasn't a matter of abracadabra. It wasn't a matter of, I got to read the Bible. It's just simple, a matter of a simple prayer. God, open my eyes. Listen, I've learned in crisis of my life, in problems of my life, to pray that very prayer. God, I know that you're at work. I may not be able to see it, but I know that you're at work. God, help me to see you. God, open my eyes to see what you're doing. This isn't a problem, God. It's an opportunity that you're going to use to do something amazing in my life. God, give me the right perspective. But that only happens when I pray, when I ask God to open my eyes and let me see it. And I promise you, it it happens, and it's amazing. And I see things that I've never seen before of what God is up to in my life. In fact, the more you pray, the more you get God's perspective. We say this all the time in First Steps, which we do every single week right after uh, the, the, the worship experience. And so uh, if, you're, if you just want to know more about being a, a follower of Jesus or, or if you want to you know, know more about I can be involved at Pathway, First Steps is a great chance. And we talk about prayer. And one of the things that we talk about is why, what is prayer? Why should we pray? How do we pray? One of the things that we say is simply this, that prayer helps me stay focused on God's perspective of my life so that I don't become overwhelmed with life's challenges in my own life. That's what prayer does. Prayer isn't, you know, this big, long, oh, holy, thou art great, and thou art wonderful, and know the right languages, and do the right song and dance. That's not, God's not impressed with that. It's simply talking to him, and when you do that, you begin to get his perspective of the situations. Listen, the level of your perspective is equal to the level of your prayers. The level of your perspective is directly linked to the level of your prayers, Maybe you want to write that down and encourage you this week. Because you understand that the more I pray, the more I get God's perspective. So in other words, that if I'm struggling because all I can see is the enemy, all I can see is the problem around me, and I can't see God, then I would say this, how are you doing with your prayer about that situation? Because if you're not really praying about it, well, then no wonder. Because the problem is here, but your prayer is down here. But what prayer does, it begins to elevate me and begins to de-elevate the enemy. So now all of a sudden, I'm not only, I don't even see the enemy anymore. I'm looking over the enemy's head till I can see the armies of heaven. I can see God working in my life. That's the exact thing that happened here in 2 Kings 6, that he begins, the servant, all he could see is the enemy and not God because his prayer was here. Elisha's the opposite because his prayer is up here. He has God's perspective. He doesn't even see the enemy. He looks right over them and sees God. Prayer has the ability to begin to change that perspective in your life. Prayer is so powerful. Here's another perspective that I love, that the right perspective is the right results. Get the right perspective, get the right results. Listen, this is so amazing as we sang earlier, that when I'm surrounded, God is surrounding my enemies. So here's the point. It doesn't matter who's surrounding you right now. It doesn't matter what the problem is right now, what the crisis that's surrounding you is right now. That does not matter. What matters is who's surrounding your enemy. What matters is who's surrounding the crisis. What matters is who's surrounding the problem. 
Listen, instead of having the perspective of, oh my goodness, I'm panicking. What should I do? I'm scared. Oh my goodness, I'm nervous and all this stuff. No, no, no. The perspective of prayer has the right perspective, the right results of, listen, I might be surrounded, but that doesn't matter what I'm surrounded by. What matters is who's surrounding my enemy, and that is God. That is the armies of heaven. That is that God is surrounding me everywhere I go, everywhere I turn. In fact, later in the New Testament, there's a, a letter by a, a follower of Jesus who was a, saw him firsthand and wrote down things that he said, and his name was John, but he writes a letter later on, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, says this, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, if you're a new follower of Jesus, that sounds like a riddle. I get that. I was raised in church. It still sounds like a riddle to me. What it's really saying is simply this, that greater is the God that lives in me than the enemy of my life that lives in the world. And in other words, greater is the God that lives in me than any negative doctor report that I might get. Greater is the God that lives in me than anything that my boss could do to me or say about me. Greater is the God that is in me than these broken relationships that I'm surrounded by. Greater is the God that is in me than the problem that I might be facing in my life. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. In other words, if the creator of the cosmos, think about this. This should be mind-blowing. The creator of the cosmos lives in you. Now, when we say that, we don't mean he literally lives in your heart and watches blood pump by in your left ventricle vein. No, we're not saying that. But what we mean is this figuratively, that he lives in me. The creator of the universe lives in me. So there's nothing I can face that will change that. In fact, it goes on in, 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 a new, in another letter in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says that, what can we say against this? That if God is for us, nothing and no one can be against us. People might be against you, but they'll never overcome you. People might try to challenge you. They might try to fight you. It might be a struggle. Problems are going to come, but it won't sink the ship. They might have some bullets over the bow, but you'll still be there. It may be challenging, but listen, if God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing and no one. Old Testament, there's a verse that says this, that, that every weapon formed against me will not prosper because God is in my life. Listen, when you have confidence that you're surrounded by God, you can direct your enemy instead of being directed by your enemy. I love it. I mean, there's so many moving parts to this passage in the Bible that's incredible. Like, think about this. The whole thing, the enemy came there, the army of Syria came there for one purpose, to capture Elisha and direct him or lead him back. What ends up happening at the end? The very enemy that came to capture him, now he's captured them and he's leading them away. That's so awesome what does. I just love that about my God. I love that, that God is so amazing that the enemy might come at me, that greater is he that is in me, that who should we, what should we say, that if God is for me, no one can be against me. So the enemy, bring it on. Come on, let's go. Because you think you're going to trap me, but in the end, it's a trap for you. You think you're going to lead me away to my destruction. No, no, no. I'm going to lead you away to something else. I love that about God, that instead of being led by the enemy of my life, I'd lead the enemy. Instead of the problem leading me, I can lead the problem to God's blessing in my life. This is an incredible story that really happened. It can happen for us. I, you know, I, I love uh, Star Wars, and, and the other night was our son's fifth birthday. He had a Star Wars party, and I'm not even sure he really gets Star Wars, but he sees it, and so he likes it, and so, uh, okay, we'll do it. And, and uh, so we're there, and, and 
It's really cool. And I've tried to watch some of the Star Wars movies with him, and we get about five minutes, and then he's gone. So, but I, I love in the in the first Star Wars movie that came out um, that there's this scene early on in the movie with Obi Wan Kenobi, who's like this Jedi master. And listen, if you don't know what I'm talking, half of you know Star Wars because you're alive, and the other half of you don't. And if you don't, it's 2018. Go watch the movie. Like just download it on your phone. You don't have to rent it. Just download it. It's easy. And so the, the Obi Wan Kenobi, and they're and they're going to go to this uh, like space honky-tonk kind of bar looking place. And so as they're going up there, these uh, stormtroopers who are like the really bad guys in the all white stuff, the stormtroopers are doing these security checkpoints because they're trying to find uh, Luke and these and these droids, and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's this Jedi master, he's a really good guy, in other words, and, and they get this checkpoint, and I love that the, the uh, stormtroopers say, hey, you know, these are the guys we're looking for. We need to arrest them because they're the wanted posters we've been seeing around town. Let's, let's haul them back to, to jail, and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, in this little car cruiser thing, he says, these aren't the droids you're looking for, and then, so then the stormtrooper says, these aren't the droids we're looking for. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi says, let these men go. And then the stormtrooper, the bad guy says, let these men go. And it's amazing. It was this Jedi mind trick. And, and listen, that's almost like what Elisha does. Listen, George Lucas stole this from the Bible. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, like Elisha does that. These aren't the men we're looking for. You've come to the wrong place. These aren't the men. We've come to the wrong place. Follow me and I'll take you where you need to go. Follow me. It's just an incredible stuff. Like we think Hollywood's cool. The Bible came up with it first. This really happened. And instead of being led by the enemy to their demise, they lead the enemy away. But here's the even better part. You would think like, oh, they're going to get the enemy. That's what we want as human beings. And the, the army was going to, they're bad guys. They're going to get Elisha. And now Elisha's going to get them. He's going to surround them and kill them all. No. In fact, Elisha surrounds them all. They lead them to Samaria, which is the capital city at that time of Israel. And he leads them right to where the king is, right to their enemy. And the, the king says, should we kill them? Should we kill them? This is a great opportunity. If we kill these guys, problem solved. And Elisha says, no, we're better than that. Do we kill prisoners of war? He says, no. It said, in fact, do the total opposite. Give them a feast and send them on their way. Listen, and this is challenging, but it's true. The most like Jesus that you could ever be in this life, and I believe this with all my heart, the most like Jesus you'll ever be is when instead of wishing your enemy harm, you can feed your enemy a feast. That's being like Jesus more than you could ever imagine. I'm not quite there. I'm getting there. But the, the enemy or the problem or the crisis, instead of fighting it, instead of wanting it to go away, instead of praying for its destruction, instead of praying that that person get fired, instead of praying that your boss quits, instead of praying that whatever it is, you begin to pray, God, how can I serve them? God, how can I be a blessing to them? You don't pray for their destruction. That's not what Elisha does. And he had every chance to do it. Jedi mind tricks and all. Instead, he sees an opportunity to feed them and be a blessing to them. And it says, as a result of that, they feed them and they send them home. And there was peace in the land for many, many, many years because of this. Think about it. If they would have destroyed the army of Syria, what would have happened? They would have raised up another army and really came back and destroyed them all. So instead of creating an opportunity for more war and destruction, they create an opportunity for peace in this situation. The right perspective gets you the right results. God will allow you, this is so big, God will allow you to bless those who wanted to harm you. That's what Jesus said, that we should bless those who curse us. I don't think we do that enough as followers of Jesus, to be honest. 
But listen, when you pray and get the right perspective, that's what God does. God gives you, not a church, not a religion, not a denomination. He gives it to you. The opportunity to bless that very person who is out to destroy you. I want you to think about that right now. The biggest enemy that you have, whoever they are, whatever that problem or situation is, what if God used you to bless them and change their life? That's what happened here. This army was changed. There's peace in the nation because of that. What the enemy means for evil, God uses it for good. I love that. In fact, we said that last week, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that, 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 listen, God has nothing but good, that God takes even the bad things and turns it for the good of my life. That's what the Bible, I'd love to take credit for it, that I came up with it. I didn't. God said that. Romans 8, 31, that, that everything formed against me, God will turn around into my good. God turns everything for my blessing. That's what this is all about. The right perspective gets you the right results. Have more faith in God than fear of your enemy. I love that the, going back to the beginning, the perspective of the servant was, I have more fear of my enemy than faith in God. Elisha's the opposite. No, no, no. I got more faith in my God than fear of my enemy. That's the big takeaway today. If you want to write that down and just remind yourself that this week and the coming weeks ahead, I need to have more faith in my God than fear of my enemy. And that will change your life. That changes your perspective. That changes how you view the problem, how you view that person, how you view that crisis. Because now I'm not afraid of it anymore. I've got faith and I trust in my God because it may look like I'm surrounded, but God is surrounding me. Does your situation shape your faith or does your faith shape your situation? In other words, I believe that we have a choice every single time when there's a crisis and there's God. And every single time in our life, we have an opportunity to let our situation shape our view of God. And so ultimately you end up like the servant where I can't even see God anymore. Why? Because you've allowed the problem, the crisis, the enemy to shape your view of God. Instead, be like an Elisha and say, no, no, no. I know the problem is great, but my God is always greater. And so instead, I'm going to let my God, my faith in him, shape the situation. He's going to shape the crisis. He's going to shape that problem. Have that view. What is it for you? Does the situation shape your faith in God or does your faith in God shape the situation that you're in? Listen, when you can see things from God's perspective, it will change your life. It will change how you see everything and everyone and every problem around you. You, you Instead of panicking about the financial crisis, you'll see that as an opportunity because you see it from God's perspective. Instead of feeling like I'm all alone and God's not there, no, 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 wait a minute, God is here. Even though I can't always see it, I'm surrounded by Him. Your perspective determines your response and prayer shapes your perspective you get the right perspective, you get the right results. And listen, all of this is well and good. All this is really awesome stuff. If you're a follower of Jesus, and this is for you, but if you don't have that relationship with him, if you haven't been living your life, and then today is a perfect day to do that. Maybe that's the reason why you're here is because you feel like you're surrounded and you're getting boxed in. And this is kind of a last ditch effort to get some hope, to get some help. Listen, welcome to the club. So does everybody else in this place. We've been there. We've understood now that when I give it to God, I'm surrounded by Him. 
and that God will use it for my good. Nothing will separate me from God's love in my life. We want to give you a chance to give your life to Him. It's not something crazy or weird. Just simply saying, God, I can't handle this anymore. I'm giving my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to live for you instead of living for myself from now on. Let's pray. Father.